Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Creation Innovation. I am really excited today to speak to Jacqueline Downs. She is an author and a functional nutrogenomics specialist. And for any of you who do not know what that means, I'm going to let Jacqueline answer that herself. Jacqueline, thank you for being here today. Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, A functional nutrigenomics practitioner is somebody that looks at the interplay between your genes and how they affect your health and how your health or health conditions are affected by your genes. And then functionally, I'm not looking at genes that cause um, things like Tay-Sachs or sickle cell per se. I'm more looking at genes you can do something about so that you can help to optimize the functioning of. So things that cause a lot of inflammation or are associated with um, deficiencies or fatty acid utilization issues, those kind of things. Amazing. So Jacqueline and I had the pleasure of meeting, I guess, almost a couple years ago now, which seems crazy. We were just talking about how time goes by so quickly. And she also is in the women's wellness and all of that sort of stuff and has written an amazing book. If any of you guys are interested in knowing more about that, we'll link it in the bio and all of the things for the podcast. But it's no secret that I talk about my struggle with my stomach issues over the years, thyroid stuff. I've had my gallbladder removed at, I think, 21 or two way back when, when like, you know, the doctor's it didn't fit the mold for somebody who should have had it removed at that age, et cetera. So I'm always curious and have always been very integrated into my health and my body, which is why I'm such a proponent of, you know, natural conception and what do we, what can we do for our bodies to help us get to the primal state so that we can have kids when we want and have our eggs be healthy and all of those things. So understanding our bodies at this cellular level, I think really helps us to get a bigger view and perspective of what it is that we can do to affect change. Now, all that to say, now that I'm kind of past this big mission of my my own of having kids, I have to admit, I'm not good at doing it as religiously as I was previously because I was literally a woman on a mission to have babies and make sure that they came healthy and all the things. So Jacqueline was kind enough to take um, my report from, was it 23andMe, Jacqueline? Yes. Um, yes. And translate that basically and read through it and see what that was. And so today we're going to go through that and she's going to tell me the the good, the bad, the ugly. So you're going to hear it first. I haven't even heard it yet from, from her perspective. And hopefully just to get some insight so you all can get an insight of working with Jacqueline and, and what that means to your overall health and why it makes such a difference, not only if you're trying to conceive, of course, but like 
generally, right? And that's where it's so important. Now, for me, I'm kind of on this next chapter of how do I preserve the longevity in our life and and stay healthy for my kids who, you know, I had them in my 40s, not even my, you know, 44 with my last one. So it's important for me to kind of get back on track and reel myself back in of what works for my body, what doesn't work for my body, what what should I be doing and all the things. So thanks again for being here and let's dive in. Okay. Yeah, great. And um, just to piggyback on a few things that you had said, knowing your genetics can really help you to decipher which form of a supplement may be best or why a certain supplement wouldn't work well for you or maybe why it didn't. And it can really be revealing as to why something may have backfired. And uh, as far as just longevity goes, my, my book, even though it was geared towards the fertility community, so it's called Enhancing Fertility Through Functional Medicine, Using Nutrigenomics to Solve Unexplained Infertility, uh, it, it's written for the motivated layperson that has wanted to educate themselves. I'm not, I'm not your first stop. Right. Um, but it also is written for practitioners as a handbook or a guidebook. And there's a lot of technical, biochemical, genetic information in appendices. And so while it's catered towards fertility and boosting egg health and getting your hormones balanced and lowering inflammation, it's, it's really common but lesser known root causes of oxidative stress, which is cellular damage that causes inflammation. So it can really benefit anybody, no matter what your condition is, especially if you are looking to um, add quality to your years um, and, and also quantity. Um, I love that because I cannot even tell you how many times I had been to different naturopaths and functionals and, oh my gosh, everybody and everything and come out with it. later of supplements that I was like, this is not helping me. So I'm really curious to see what, you know, from that perspective too, of what comes up or what, what you see in my, my, I call it a reading because I'm so used to like psychic readings and stuff, but in my report. Yes. I I read your genes basically. (laughs) I interpret them. So you get a raw, um, this raw data basically. And then that raw data gets analyzed and then I help you to make sense of it. So it's just precision genomic interpretation. Um, so I can share my screen okay. uh, if um, you can do that. So I have your genome here. So this is how I look at things. Um, and I have actually this picture in my book and I talk about a lot of these separate blocks, but so um, a lot of people in your um, community probably have heard of the genetic uh, SNP or polymorphism called MTHFR. I almost titled my book MTHFR is a gateway gene because it is often the first gene people learn about and they realize how much your genetics can impact your health and your detoxification ability and your fertility. Um, but you can see here, the MTHFR is the top of the pyramid here. So mm-hmm. folate is a rebuilding, repairing, regenerating nutrient, which is why you need it to grow a baby. It's so essential in fertility and pregnancy. But when your building's on fire with inflammation, you wanna call in the fire department, not the construction crew. So just testing for MTHFR and just throwing methylfolate at something isn't getting to the root cause of the issue. Mm -hmm. And so these things uh, on the bottom here, which I'm gonna go through your report, 
are, are the things that can cause a lot of inflammation and oxidative stress, which is damage to the cellular structure and also damage to the information that the cell contains. And then we have your antioxidants and your longevity genes and your detoxification pathways and all of that. And I have chapters on a lot of these uh, blocks in my book. So it really, really goes deep into it. And so, I just want to point I, out too that I, I speak about all the time to people around the egg health and how it really comes down to it's not necessarily your age per se, but the inflammation in your body of, that creates the quality of what's happening there. So I'm really excited yep. to kind of dig into this more. 100% for sure. So this is what I make for people after, uh, as I'm going through. So you can see yours is 36 pages. Sometimes it's 10 pages more. Sometimes it's 10 pages less. So after going through all of the your genes, um, I, I give an overall takeaway. Because I could go through your report gene by gene by gene, which would take months. But a lot of that's not going to be very relevant to what you want to know. That's why I had you fill out a very, very, very meticulous intake form. Because if you're variated somewhere, but that's not an issue for you, I'm not going to bother really saying much about it unless it's really variated. Sure. Um, so, which you probably already know this, since um, you told me that you have had your gallbladder removed, you have a history of SIBO and UTIs, I asked how you feel your detoxification ability is, and you said, quote, awful. <laughs> and you also reported floating stools, and I talk about that in my book in the chapter on fat utilization. Um, the reason why I'll just, this is a fun fact, is um, just like when you make a salad dressing and the oil floats on top of the water, if you're not properly digesting your fats, um, they are not going to be properly used by the body to make hormones, to support brain health, to support liver health, to, to lubricate the body. And so they're going to come out undigested in your stool, causing your stool to float. So that is a really good indicator of whether or not you're using your fats. That's sort of like the biggest flag right there. Okay. So support bioproduction and flow. And so I have a lot of like immediately actionable steps that you can do. And I will go deeper into your genes and show you, you know, probably why genetically you might, might have had to have your gallbladder removed. Um, mm -hmm. Now it's not all genetics, just because you have a genetic variant does not mean that it's expressing. So I, there's a, a quote that says, you know, genetics loads the gun, environment pulls the trigger. So that could be your diet, your stress, your lifestyle your exposures, if you've had a lot of mold, like mold can mess up your body on so many levels and really, really cause bile flow issues. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, you know, it's the whole package, but uh, genetics account for just a smaller percentage than what people think. Um, so there's, and then these are also reiterated down in, in this section on fat support. And then um, with, as far as your detoxification and antioxidant genes go, they were more variated than others. And so this, you know, these are the things that affect your egg health, right? Your egg is a cell. These are all things that help to minimize or neutralize or prevent oxidative stress, which creates inflammation. And then that affects your egg health. Mm -hmm. um, so um, this is going to get a little biochemical here, but the Fenton reaction, this has to do with your iron. A lot of people think that the only issue with iron is anemia. And uh, that's, that's not true. I have a whole chapter on this where it's improperly used iron. So unless you have a bleeding disorder or you have been vegan for quite some time, uh, it's likely not an iron acquisition issue. Iron is one of the most abundant minerals in our body and our diets, our modern day diets are fortified with iron. And I don't necessarily agree with all that, 
But if you're a meat eater, it's not so much an iron acquisition issue that you need to like supplement with iron. It's how your body is using it. So if I go ahead and open up this, this block, um, so I, I have a $27 uh, course that's intro to nutrigenomics and mm -hmm. the functional genomic analysis. So it sort of talks about what these, these color codings mean, but basically this is measuring your genetic profile to the 55,000 people that are currently in the software. And a plus means you're less variated uh, than the average mean. Um, and then a negative means you're, you have more variants. And so you can see you're, you're a bit more variated here with iron related things. Um, and I did ask if you had um, your iron or ferritin levels and you said you hadn't had them for a while and you weren't sure um, without looking, but have you ever been told that you're anemic or um, no. have your iron levels always been good? And I, I had a hunch that they probably did look good because you have a couple genetic variants here that are that predispose you to having excess iron. Um, now, it's it's just a matter of where the iron is. Is it hiding in the cells? Is it hiding in the tissue? It's it's it or is it you know is it actually in the blood? Um, so doing a complete iron panel um, can can let us know. But also proper copper is needed for proper iron regula regulation. That's why copper is in here too. So um, this is some sometimes oh, why women will go on on a copper IUD and just like, it just wrecks them because their, their, their copper levels in their body are, um, we'll just say they're, they're really sensitive or they're just really already off balance. Um, and so, um, I, I put in detail here. I, so I put a little background information on your iron and then the places where you had more genetic variation. Um, I, I mentioned them. So even though you're a carrier for uh, what's called hemochromatosis, that's when you have too much iron, um, you, even though you don't have it because you would have to have uh, three twos over here, be like a two, two and a two, you don't have that, but it still could cause you to hold on to a little bit more excess iron, especially coupled with this. Um, this actually, basically the iron's not going to where it needs to go and it's not getting properly used. So is it, it could, you know. It can cause a lot of inflammation is the bottom line here. Now, so is this something a, because I'm a carrier for it, but it's not necessarily expressing itself for me that I should be aware for my kids? Because obviously they potentially could be, you know, it should Potentially, well, um, it depends on what their their father's looks like, yeah. but it, it really, since you don't have the any of the other two, you're not passing it on. So okay. they're not going to ever have a proper diagnosis okay. of hemochromatosis, but they still could have excess levels. And now this is why um, men's multivitamins don't have iron in them because women, we shed our iron every month that we're supposed to, right? And and that's a way to keep things in check. Mm -hmm. And and so um, that's also why 55 plus women's multivitamins don't have iron either. Um, because iron in excess will oxidize, just like if you leave an iron rod out on your front lawn, it's going to rust and oxidize and rust. So iron that's not properly used, not properly chaperoned in our body is going to essentially cause our cells to rust or oxidize. Got it. Um, so I, you know, without getting too in the weeds here with the biochemical stuff, um, I do have for every section, I have um, a lot of recommendations. And so for you, I would definitely, it's a win-win situation donating blood. You probably have pretty healthy blood. We want, uh, and it's good to, especially as you move into menopause, that's actually why I asked 
that weird question in, in the email, like, hey, weird question, but did your mom happen to have any issues arise once she hit menopause, you know, um, anymore, if there's inflammation or, you know, she got some sort of new diagnosis. Um, but also, um, unless you're using really well-seasoned cast iron pans and pots, um, that might be something you might want to steer clear of. So then I have stuff, you know, on copper and um, just lowering inflammation, some supplement recommendations. Um, and then here, if you want to get some testing done, that's where you can. But also gut issues, right? You need to be able to absorb your nutrients and get them in and out of the gut. And so, um, you know, the... It, the this can just, the genetic interpretation can give you flags of saying like, hey, this is where you might want to pay attention to, or this could be the cause of something that you have going on, but it's not a diagnosis. Your genes are not a diagnosis, but they're, they're to be used as a framework or, or a guide or a reference point. Okay, great. Okay, so we'll close that one out and we'll go to food gut histamine oxalates because that is what one of your primary health concerns was, was your your digestion and your gut health. Yeah. Um, now you had said you've been tested for Hashimoto's, but it's not Hashimoto's. It's just hypothyroidism, right? right. So your antibodies look good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, your HLA genes are involved with your immune system regulation and also like are really um, associated with our risk of developing autoimmune diseases uh, and, you know, celiac, um, rheumatoid arthritis, that kind of stuff. Um, but also mold sensitivity as well. So um, there was a study in 2013 that found certain HLA genes were associated with mold sensitivity too. So basically it's like how reactive your immune system is going to be. Is it trigger happy? Is it really blunted? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I go into like the specific genetic variants that you have. And then yet again, I have some ways to help support your HLA genes from turning bad, I guess, turning on you. Okay. Um, histamine. Now you had said you didn't really have, um, too many histamine issues and overall your histamine genes look pretty good. Um, uh, no, no seasonal allergies, no skin issues, no, no. hives, anything like that. Right. No. Yeah. So you look pretty robust here. So what this is, these are clinically validated. You can go into PubMed or Google scholar and you can find studies with these particular SNPs in this gene. Um, so you look pretty robust here, but this is an enzyme that is made in the gut. And so if you uh, have gut compromisation and any kind of uh, leaky gut or um, you know, irritable bowel or something like that, you're probably not making this uh, diamine oxidase enzyme as abundantly as you could. And then if you would have genetic variants, that would sort of add weight to the side of the scale. Uh, I, use it, I use the analogy of like a, uh, marbles on a scale. So these are all polygenic risk scores. So one gene is not going to determine anything unless, of course, you're looking at like mutated genes. Mm -hmm. um, and so you don't have very many marbles for um, your histamine degrading enzyme made in your gut here, unless, of course, you have gut issues. This is another one. HNMT, you look really robust here. You have some, but this is probably the best HNMT profile I've seen. However, this is from the 23andMe version 4. Um, which is not as comprehensive as um, the the kit that I use and recommend um, yeah. that looks at everything, but that, we we're still that, able to clean a good amount. That's what I was just thinking prior, not, not necessarily that exactly, but how often should you, like, does this ever change? Because I feel like 
from when I, you know, 10 years ago, my gut health was very different than it is now. Um, mm -hmm. So how often does it change and how often should you like, or is it, no, this is just your gene expression. It does not change. It is what it is, but things around you and your environment change and therefore it shows up differently. Excellent question. Yeah. So you had mentioned getting a whole bunch of functional medicine testing done and getting a lot of supplements. So with functional medicine testing, I mean, those tests cost about $400 each and you have to get a baseline and you have to do follow-ups. And with your genes, it's one test. Uh, I mean, I've done a 23andMe, and then when um, this um, software's kit came out, I, I did it again, and it just had more. But everything's still the same. Your genes don't change. Mm -hmm. So it's really what is causing the expression of them to change. Now, a lot of people say your genes are like light switches that turn off and on, but I think it's more like a dimmer switch. Mm -hmm. So yes, in the past 10 years, you may have maybe lived in a moldy home or um, had a significant stressor in your life, you know, divorce or death in the family or something like that. And that really just changes your biochemistry or your mm -hmm. microbiome or your, you know, mm -hmm. uh, some sort of energetic thing in your body. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, it's all about the genetic expression. Okay. So you basically yeah. just have to do it one time and mm -hmm. it'll, yep. it's the roadmap for the rest of the time, basically. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I have a whole bunch of information here on histamine. I have a whole chapter on histamine and it's interesting because histamine is actually a, a very important part of um, conception and implantation and your, your placenta actually takes over and makes this diamine oxidase enzyme when, um, and that's one reason why women can have a lot of allergies and feel terrible, but they actually feel really good throughout most of their pregnancy, pretty much second trimester uh, and into the third. Um, because the placenta is actually making that histamine degrading enzyme. Hmm. So I talk about that and then I go through your genes. This is the one that makes uh, diamine oxidase that degrades histamine in the gut. Histamine is an excitatory neurotransmitter. That's why antihistamines make you drowsy. And so too much histamine can cause anxiety and irritation and sleep disturbances, especially the 3 a.m. wake up. We have a histamine dump at 3 a.m. And so oftentimes if you wake up and you can't go back to sleep, it might, it might be a histamine issue. Could be blood sugar um, as well, uh, which is pretty common. Um, and then people may have heard of uh, monoamine oxidase from like antidepressants. They use MAO inhibitors. Um, but monoamine oxidase is an uh, enzyme that degrades amines, histamine, dopamine, catecholamines, your neurotransmitters. And so you're not terribly variated here. You, you got one. So what one means, you got one copy from one parent, but not from the other. If you would have a two, you would be considered homozygous. And that, that can really be more impactful because that enzyme is um, operating either too fast or too slow. Uh, if there's... Um, if you have a double there, uh, it might be, it'll, it, and genetic variants cause enzymes to either speed up like a conveyor belt that's coming out more quickly than the people can. There was like an, I love Lucy episode yeah. where she's supposed to package the chocolate and it starts coming out too quick. And so sometimes having a genetic variant will speed up enzymatic activity and downstream stuff can't keep up or it'll slow it down. Like with MTHFR, it slows down your body's ability to turn folic acid into the body's usable form methylfolate. And so 
Um, but genes can compensate. And it's really, you know, I talk about all this in my book. This is more than, you know, we can talk about here. But um, I do have some recommendations for histamine, what you can look for in your blood tests, just to see if your eosinophils and your basophils on any standard conventional blood test, you can see if they're elevated above 3% and 2%, um, you might have some histamine issues. Um, Also, your methylation. Uh, Methylation clears histamine as well. And so MTHFR can play a part in that as well. Now, you had mentioned um, recurrent UTIs and that you had been on a lot of antibiotics in the past for them. So... Is that, that's correct? Yeah. And the main kind of heavy antibiotics that I had been was for the, um, the SIBO. That was like, okay. In super intense. And I feel like since then has just been like a non, you know, a chronic issue between going from that to, um, progesterone suppositories for pregnancy and so chronic yeast around all of that too. Um, ever mm-hmm. since the the um, antibiotics from the SIBO specifically, because it was back then it was kind of a new thing that the Western doctors were sort of starting to recognize, you know, and the the uh, antibiotic for it was crazy. And I think I had to do three rounds of it because it just wasn't out of my system. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just jump to this just for the sake of time, um, because I know that is like where we really need to talk. But um, SIBO tells me that you likely are having some bile flow issues because bile is like a detergent. It washes everything down and out. So if you have constipation, if you um, have a lot of unwelcome guests in your gut, uh, if you have really dry skin, and again, if your stools float, like that's just telling me that there's some bile flow issues. Um, so let's let's just skip right to there. So right here, this is the first thing that jumped out to me. You're really variated here. This gene is the rate limiting enzyme for bile synthesis, bile acid synthesis. So it's not even a matter of how well your bile is flowing. If you have sludgy bile or um, cholestasis or something, it's just how well is your body able to make bile. And right there, uh, you're, you're varied. And then you also have a couple other non-clinically validated. So we don't know how impactful these are, but we know these are impactful. So right there. And then. So would that um, have been an indication that somebody would have had a gallbladder issue? Yes. Uh Yep. I actually would love to have a study done on people that have the PEMT variants coupled with the CYP7A1 variants, because I even have here, there's a striking pattern between those two genes and non-alcoholic fatty liver. And people, and then, you know, bile um, is is very, very important in hormone health and balance, as well as detoxification. So I actually just gave um, a talk in a summit all about bile. So bile, it's got some really important jobs. First off, it takes the toxins from the liver and escorts them into the gut to be excreted. So when people say, well, I have MTHFR, so I can't detoxify, that's not the whole picture. That might not actually be any of the picture, but um, if your bile is not flowing, you're not able to take the toxins from your liver out. And that could be one reason why you feel that you don't detoxify very well, or you feel awful Mm -hmm. because you're stirring up these toxins in your liver, but they're not able to get escorted out in the bile and into the gut and be excreted in the body. So they just get recirculated. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I would love if there was a study between people that have these two genetic variants and how many people, um, had how many people that have had their gallbladders removed yeah. have these variants. Yeah. And I would say it would be a pretty high association. Mm-hmm. Um, so the PEMT gene, even though you're one of the best I've seen here, you're still variated. It's a very commonly variated gene. This is the only gene in the body that makes choline. Now, I don't know if anybody has ever talked um, on here about the importance of choline for yeah. fertility and especially in the first trimester. But this is what determines how much choline you need. This is this is why choline is a conditionally essential nutrient because your bodies make it, but the rest has to be acquired through diet and supplementation. So genetically, you look like your choline production is pretty decent, mm-hmm. but keep in mind, um, this is what makes phosphatidylcholine and our bile is like nine parts or 10 to one, 10 parts phosphatidylcholine, one part cholesterol, and then a couple other things with like um, bile acids and stuff. Um, but it's mostly phosphatidylcholine. And so um, if you would be more variated here, I think you would you would have been worse for the wear or maybe had that gallbladder removed a little earlier. But um, that is just really interesting how you some sometimes these things, especially when I show you the OXTR gene, um, how really they play out in your life. Now, sometimes you, there's no indicator that you have this genetic variant and it's not expressing and it's not a problem. Um, and other times it's like, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And I think here with your CYP7A1, um, that, that really is a, a contributing factor to poor bile production and therefore your fatty acid utilization issues and your digestion issues. And when your bile's not flowing, you're not washing things down and out. So then SIBO can creep up. Um, does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then there's some other uh, variants here that are just involved with getting the toxins from the liver into the bile and escorting them. And then again, I have a lot of recommendations here. So in your case, one of my highest recommendations for you, since you do not have a gallbladder, is going to be ox bile or tudka supplementation or some sort of bile acids with every meal because um, you don't have a gallbladder to store all that. And so you're, uh, it's not going to be stored. Your, your liver's just sort of dripping it willy nilly. Whereas when you eat a fatty food, when you have a gallbladder, it's, it releases what has been stored in the proper amount. So mm-hmm. taking the ox bile with a meal or, or tudka um, or some sort of bile salts is going to really give you that extra oomph of bile that you need to help your, your fats um, and help your bile flow. Okay. So I have a lot up here. Uh, castor oil packs, I'm sure you're you're aware of them. I love them. That really, really supports liver gallbladder health. So I, um, there's that. I also there's- feel so awful when I do anything with castor oil. <laughs> I would recommend for you then, uh, I would recommend taking a binder uh, because you're probably stirring things up, you know, where like you're, you're releasing some toxins, things are moving, but um they're, they should, they might be getting recirculated. So uh, I think if you would maybe take a binder, if you, if you do your castor oil pack at bedtime, I would probably take a binder before you go to bed. And um, that would, I think that might help you to feel a little bit better. Okay. Perhaps. It's worth a try. Um, okay. So this, I don't usually include this gene, um, but because of what you do, your line of work, and you're just really just committed to your clients and passionate about what you do. Um, oxytocin is called the bonding hormone. And out of all the genes in this software, 
this gene is the most predictive for personality. Mm -hmm. So when you have, let's see here, right here, um, right here, your OXTR, oxytocin receptor, you have a double variant here. And that means that you um, have an overexpression of oxytocin. So you can have deeper connections with people, more gentle parenting, more charitable, charitable giving, more sensitive in general. But the big thing here is you might find it hard to say no and create boundaries with people. Does that sound... No. Does that ring true? <laughs> no, but maybe I'm just in a practice of it now, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I talk about with my clients that have these variances, especially with, with younger girls, is like really teaching them how to know how to set boundaries and, and make sure they're doing self-care and they're um, not taking on more than they should be physically and emotionally able to handle. That's so interesting. Um, interestingly, though, oxytocin is involved in uterine contractions and that can affect implantation. So from a mm. fertility perspective, that actually can uh, be, play a part. Yeah. So I have more information there. Okay. Um, you did say that, um, did you have any other questions about? No. And that, okay. Um, Let's go back up to um, the antioxidants because especially with egg health, I know that's a huge topic of concern for people. So um, real quick though, PON1 um, is, acts as an antioxidant and um, this has been associated with retained pesticides in the body. So your body is not able to clear pesticides as readily and they can bioaccumulate and it is absolutely known that parasites affect hormone health, endocrine function. They are endocrine disruptors, and they also have been associated with fertility issues and birth defects. And so, um, you know, especially, I think everybody should be buying organic at this point, mm -hmm. but especially with people that have a profile like yours, uh, I would buy organic whenever you can. Okay. And, um, Recently, though, I did hear something really, really wonderful so that you don't stress out is that like, okay, if you're eating something that is not organic or it's not even that nutritious, just sort of like thank the food and just put like this intention there that your body will receive the nutrients and, and be able to clear, uh, you know, what it doesn't need and, and what could be harmful. And so I thought that that was a really nice intention to set before eating. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so um, Nerf 2. Nerf 2 has its fingers in so many pots in the body. And it's if you want to think about it like um, Keep One is like the smoke detector. And Nerf 2, which is made by this NFE2L2 gene, is the sprinkler system. So right here, what this means is that your smoke detector is not very responsive. You need to have a lot of inflammation or a big fire for your body to go, oh, let's release some antioxidants. And then this is basically the water pressure of how well um, the antioxidants can be released. Because Nerf 2 has it, its fingers in pretty much every antioxidant that's made in the body and every detoxification pathway that is used to clear toxins. So it's, it's like a spark plug for these reactions to work. Um, overall, you look decently. Um, you do have a less common variant here. Um, so this could just impact your uh, antioxidant and detoxability. But... When you add the iron dysregulation potentially and um, your glutathione, I really want to talk about your glutathione. Um, 
uh, glutathione is the body's master antioxidant. So, so the big takeaway here is that I was seeing a lot of genetic variation in things that were causing inflammation and also not making your body um, as abundantly producing these antioxidants as well. Okay. So, um, so that's why I recommended in the takeaways, just more proactive antioxidant supplementation. But glutathione is the body's master antioxidant and it's made from three amino acids, cysteine, glycine, and glutamine. And so your cysteine gene looks pretty good here. Um, your glycine, it looks, it's, it's a pretty common variant. This is one out of, um, you know, from what the 23andMe shows. Um, but those three amino acids need to be assembled into glutathione. And so during COVID, especially NAC became all the rage, which is N-acetylcysteine. Mm -hmm. That's one of the ingredients that helped to make glutathione. But when you have variants here, like you do, you might have more of an issue making the glutathione. So for somebody like you, I would recommend you just taking glutathione okay. rather than taking the NAC and taking the glycine um, because your body might not make it as readily. Okay. Um, so I, I like the liposomal form that bypasses your digestive system and just goes right in. Um, or there's something called an S acetyl form. And I, I talk about this um, in, in your report. Um, okay. and then, um, there's glutathione. I have a lot of recommendations. Cruciferous veggies are like the kings of antioxidants and detoxification. Um, there's, you know, some supplements and food-based things. Um, and then luckily your glutathione recycling ability looks really robust. So sometimes people take glutathione and they feel horrible and their doctor might say, oh, that's just a detox reaction. You're stirring stuff up. But really, it could be an inflammatory reaction if your glutathione gets stuck in what's called the oxidized form. It needs to get recycled back around. And you're looking like your body is really able to do that. So if you get the glutathione in there, it'll be able to do what it's supposed to do. Okay. Um, the GSPs are where glutathione becomes a detoxification pathway as opposed to an antioxidant. And so you look okay here. You've got a little bit of variance. And like I, like I said, it's, it's a polygenic risk score. It's not, nothing is going to be dependent on one of these. So I just sort of take them all into consideration as a group. Um, and then uh, we'll just skip up here to MTHFR. So you can see that's just one gene and an entire pathway. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these things are, you can see MTHFR is also going to be in here because it, it has to do with your neurotransmitters and it has to do um with your uh, detoxification. So um, when people blame everything on MTHFR uh, or they say my doctor tested me and they only tested for that one gene, I kind of silently roll my eyes or quietly because while this gene is important, it's it, it doesn't stand alone. You can see there's so many other reasons why you might not use folate or your methylation pathway and it might not be working. So you have what is considered a homozygous variant here that less than 10% of the 55,000 people have. It could be a potential contributing factor to your previous fertility challenges okay. uh, or why you feel that you don't detoxify well. Um, and I don't know, I mean, as far as if there would be any mood issues, um, you know, this could um, this helps to make your neurotransmitters. So um, this could also contribute. These variants could also contribute to anxiety or depression, um, easy irritation, that kind of stuff. Um, but you can see here your folate receptors. You could have no MTHFR variants, but if you have receptor issues and the folate can't get in, 
it's essentially kind of like having MTHFR anyway. And then if you have MTHFR and folate receptor issues, then you're really not making the folate and any folate you are making isn't able to get into the cell. Right. Um, this DHFR is involved with convert two of the five steps of converting um, folic acid into the form that the body uses called methylfolate. And then you can see here folate and B12 work together. Um, and so there's just, there's so many things that can be looked at. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the biggest takeaway for your particular genome would be to support the fats, especially now that you do not have a gallbladder. Mm -hmm. um, you really want to support that bile to make sure that SIBO doesn't come creeping back up. And also, um, if you would be prone to constipation, um, the, the, the bile is going to help to keep everything flowing down and out more smoothly too. Okay. Um, and then just really proactive antioxidant support with um, the best way to support nerve two is with broccoli sprouts. Now you can buy them at your health food store, you can sprout your own, um, or you can buy supplements that have sulforaphane and something called myrocetin in them. Um, that's the best way to support nerve two. Glutathione, again, you can do your cruciferous veggies, you can also do broccoli sprouts, and you can take glutathione supplements. Um, and then there's a few other um, antioxidants that I mentioned in here, but I don't necessarily need to go into the weeds and you can read through the rest of your report. You know, there's, there's a bunch of information there, but did you have any questions or is there anywhere in here you wanted to see specifically? I don't think so. I mean, for me, I love all of this stuff. I love to geek out on it. I could ask you a million questions all day long about <laughs> wanting to know more, but I think this is a great overview of just kind of an idea if somebody, again, specific to their fertility journey could give them some answers of just even in my, what you just talked about here in the last 40 minutes was really eye-opening of some things that could have, you know, potentially gone either way and what supports me versus not. So what I was hearing too um, is, again, some of those things of what may not have been helpful for me versus what should be helpful for me and in, in going forward. So I really love that. But no specific questions. I'm sure once I'm able to process this and digest it a little bit, there probably will be things that come up. But um, no, I'm super grateful. Thank you so much for going through this. My pleasure. I, I live and breathe this. Uh, it's, it's super nerdy, but I know as genetic interpretation becomes more commonplace, uh, uh, more people will start hearing more terms and it'll become more familiar. Um, but, but I wanted, so every interpretation that I do comes with a typed up summary like you have and a recorded video of me walking through that summary in your genome in that pyramid. And, it, and you have that video to watch forever and you have the typed summary so you can really nerd out on it. And you can also, um, book a one-to-one -one consultation if you really want to answer your questions or nerd out even further. Um, so there's, there's a lot of options, but a lot of the genetic interpretation companies out there right now, they just give you a PDF of 37 different reports or watch this video on this core and what, you know, this means and this pathway. And like that, I've had so many people come to me and say, Hey, can you help me make sense of this genetic interpretation? I have no idea what it means. I'm more confused than I was before right. I got it. And so that's why I have it all laid out and I walk through and I give the overall takeaways, the biggest things that I'm seeing. So that way you have, and then a lot of actionable steps. A lot of it is just lifestyle stuff. Right. Well, I think it's so helpful for people to 
just overall have this this view into their genetic makeup and what that means to them and what to look out for and you know even just saying the the mold stuff and histamines and things like that you know I'm grateful I haven't had that issue but if I'm in somewhere that does now I have a different you know viewpoint of saying like oh this might not be specific for me I might be a little more sensitive to this than the next person maybe or whatnot so I think it's so helpful if somebody wants to work with you and go down this path, what does that look like and how can they find you and tell them about your book again and all those things, please. Okay. All that information is uh, at my website, JacquelineDowns.com, J-A-C-L-Y-N-D-O-W-N-S. And um, I have my book for sale there right on the homepage. Um, and then there is information a little below that on um the benefits of genomic interpretation. And if you've done a 23andMe, you can click here. Or if you want to purchase a kit that's more comprehensive, you can click here and get started. And so my clients, a lot of them have genetic testing uh, paired, but I also have a lot of clients who haven't done genetic testing. And we do, uh, you know, the Dutch test and um, stool test, organic acids test and mycotoxins test, I think would be the two that I run the most in my practice. I don't ever start out with a Dutch test because usually when you come to me, your hormones are wonky and I don't need to know that they're wonky. I want to know what could be causing them to be wonky. Maybe it's mold. Nothing that we do to get you feeling better is going to last very long or have sustainable um, effects if you're still living in mold or if you're dealing with mold from right. previous house. Right. Um, so there's sort of a, a, a layer of, of, steps that I take uh, with people based on what they're coming to me, what their symptoms are. Right. And what I love about this is that it, you know, it is obviously a very different language and it's all kinds of, you know, acronyms and gene mutations and call outs and whatnot. But you do such a good job of, as you said in the beginning of talking to the layperson about this, of how that breaks down and translates for you. So I just want to say to anybody, don't be afraid if you're not, if this isn't something that you like to geek out on or feel that you're interested in, but more so just getting the path and the route roadmap for you so that you can better help advocate for yourself when you're going into your other doctor's office appointments and things like that. And to, you know, further down the line and whatever comes your way. So working with Jacqueline gives you that perspective to really talk to somebody who can speak your language and take the time with you to explain what that means for you specifically, because I think that that is so, is, is a big part of what's missing because we get our blood work done with Quest or whoever it is. And they're like, oh, you're in the normal range. But that normal range is not based on healthy people in the population. So we want you to be in your healthy state, not in the range for unhealthy people that are the pool of what this is coming from. So it's always good to know your specific information for your body. Um, and the more that you can find people that can partner with you in order to give you that information, the better off we are. And the cheaper it will be for you down the line. I mean, if I could, I'm glad I haven't added up all the money that I've spent with all these doctors over the years because it would be quite depressing, I'm sure. But I think when we know that information, we can decline those things to say, no, I actually know that the NAC is not going to be helpful for me. Thank you, but no thank you, right? Mm -hmm. I'm better off Absolutely. going here. And 
God knows there's a lot of people pushing that right now because it's kind of on that that popular list, especially for fertility right now. So um, I just really want to kind of push that message forward is getting your roadmap and your makeup specifically is super, super important. So yeah, and especially there. how many, how much of a nutrient you might need, right? So the the RDA for choline might be a certain amount, but based on your genetics, as you saw, I mean, you probably would be fine with the RDA's amount, but mm-hmm. keep in mind the RDA is set to uh, the minimum level needed to prevent diseases of deficiency. So really what's what's for optimal functioning could be way up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if somebody's really variated in that PEMT gene, then they're going to need a whole lot more choline, especially when they're um, wanting to conceive and when they're pregnant, they're and breastfeeding too. Um, right. Breast milk is super rich in choline because it's just um, the baby's developing nervous system requires so much right. of it. And I mean, it's sad to say that most, again, of the the OBs and regular Western doctors will tell you. Yeah, a standard prenatal vitamin is fine. And, you know, that just makes me cringe because really it's, we need so much more than that. Um, And also specific to what your body needs. So don't just Google the standard, what should I take for, you know, prenatal or what do I take for my fertility? Because it is not equal to everybody's body. The diets are not, the supplements are not, and all of those things. You need to know what is right for your body and how it can metabolize that and how it, you can keep a healthy pregnancy. You know, it's one thing to get pregnant, but we want to stay pregnant and have a healthy baby. So um, there's a lot that goes into that. So thank you so much again for being here, Jacqueline. And I know it was a little bit longer today, so I appreciate you hanging in there with us to to go through these, but I hope that it's helpful for everybody to understand the bigger picture here for their own bodies and and the information of how it can can be helpful for them. So um, find Jacqueline, track her down, work with her and get to know your body in a, a deeper, more intimate way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the creation innovation podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the creation innovation podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.